I'm Xander Wilson, and welcome to The Silver Bullet. This podcast is brought to you by Media and Capital Partners and features interviews with disruptors from all across the Australian business landscape. Here, we chat with startup founders, CEOs, and other business leaders to uncover what they're doing differently to their competitors and discover their silver bullet for business success. So on today's episode, I'm chatting with the local boss of a global podcasting company called Acast. Henrik Isaacson is the Managing Director of Acast for Australia and New Zealand. Henrik, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Sander, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get into what's happening with Acast, which I definitely want to hear about, I just wanted to jump back to how you got started working in the audio business to begin with. And that, that was with Spotify, correct? That's right. So I joined um, Spotify back in, in Sweden in 2010 or 2009. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't checked my CV in a long time. But yeah, 2009, 2010. Um, I've always been very passionate about the spoken word and music, I suppose, back then before joining a podcasting business. Um, and I, I I thought that this was the uh, the right direction to go down. Obviously, back then, Spotify wasn't necessarily a household name, even in Scandinavia. Um, but I was very excited, to say the least, to join this business because back then it was, and it still is, I suppose, quite innovative. Um, so yeah, that's how the journey began and, and I haven't looked back since. Yeah, definitely. And just wondering, when you got started out, was there anything that drew you to podcasts specifically? Were you working across sort of the whole stable of what Spotify was doing? I, I mean, I suppose podcasting would have been really in its infancy back then. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily anything that, at least to my knowledge, the company was focused on back then, um, up until I left the business in 2015. Um, but I've always been a huge fan of the spoken word. I've, 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 I've always loved radio as well. Um, and I think, you know, uh, being a, an avid music fan too, the sort of next resort when you don't want to listen to music, when you're going for a walk or winding down or, or you're exercising, uh, podcasting, I think, is sort of the next thing. So that's how I really got into it. And like many others, Serial was definitely the first sort of uh, shot, I think, uh, the podcast Serial from the U.S., yeah, for sure. And and on this podcast, I re- always really want to dive into, you know, business and business culture and differences. I mean, y- you would have been able to see moving from Sweden to Australia, um, I assume some pretty significant bi- uh, ways that business is done differently, um, even if I'm not talking about, you know, Spotify versus Spotify, because I assume their culture was probably pretty similar. When you first moved to Australia, what was it that struck you about, about Australian business and, and what things do you think you, you were able to learn from when you did work in Sweden? that you were able to bring here, whether implemented at Spotify or, or continuing now at Acast? I, I, I think about this a lot, actually, you know, a lot as in every now and then, I suppose, but it comes out quite a bit. I, I still remember when I did move to Australia in 2012 and the plan for me was to stay here for a year to help out with the, the business Spotify that was. And now I'm still here, what, 11, 10 years later, which is pretty significant. Um, but I, I, uh, the, the first thing that I think struck me personally was the fact that, you know, speaking English and doing business, I suppose, or selling in English because I had a sales job back then is very hard if it's not your native language. So to me, that was a massive, massive reality check, just going into presentations and meetings and, you know, even down to the most basic stuff, you know, formulating emails and stuff was really, really tough, like really tough. Um, I mean, luckily in Sweden, we 
do like English is, I suppose, to some extent, sort of our second language because they teach it at primary school. So I, I obviously had that with me, but it's a whole different ball game when you're sitting in a, in a pitch or you're sitting in a, 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 a business meeting and you have to sort of switch it on. So that was probably the first thing that, that comes to mind. The other thing I think also Australians are inherently quite different from Swedish people. Swedish people tend to be quite direct um and and i'm not saying that australians are not but it's definitely maybe a bit more laid back uh, a laid back business culture than um than in sweden like there's not much chit chat in meetings in over in sweden um it's very much straight to the point get over it be effective and move on whilst in australia that's not necessarily the thing but i actually prefer the australian way because i i get a lot more out of, of meeting people in, in, in Australia, especially from a business standpoint than I do in, in Sweden. The conversation is just more fun, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And w- is there anything else that, that, you know, you found about the culture or, or things that you've learned? Cause obviously, you know, you, you left Spotify, you worked a few other jobs and, and now at Acast, is, is there anything else that, that you've learned or, or are there things that when you, when you were back in Sweden that you've been able to bring, I guess, to the culture of the workplaces that you've been in since then? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's strange to think that I've probably done more time in Australian business than I have in, in Swedish business now because it's been so long. But I, I think um, one thing is obviously we have a very flat structure at ACOST um, as in organizational structure. So um, as an employee at ACOST, you have access to all the, the global leadership team. They're only a, a Slack message away or an email away or a Google Hangout meeting away. So, and that's, that's how the company has been set up by default. And that's something that I really like. And it's not siloed in the sense that we have this, yes, we have a global CEO, his name is Ross and he's, he's awesome, but he makes himself available for everyone. And I think that's very much a, um, I wouldn't say it's a Swedish thing, but maybe more of a European way of running a business. It's, there's not much of a hierarchy in the sense that, you know, Ross is the boss and, uh, or Henrik's the boss in, in Australia. It's, it's just not the way, um, I, I don't really thrive in those environments where, where, where you have to. Um, well, where, where it's extremely structured in the sense, probably more in the traditional sense, I suppose, maybe the words that I'm looking for. So that's definitely one thing that I think is quite different from Australia, having worked in uh, other Australian businesses prior to joining ACAST. And um, other things is, you know, we, we do embrace um, annual leave. We want people to take as much annual leave as they want. That's also, I think, a Scandinavian thing or maybe a Swedish thing, I suppose, to some extent also. And uh, we have a very generous... Um, maternity or paternity leave program whereas we give people time to spend time with the kids and whatnot and that's not necessarily something that i see happening in australian businesses to the same extent it it definitely wasn't uh 24 months ago maybe that's changing a bit now with you know the current climate and stuff and what's going on in the world so those are probably the two main things i think um yeah yeah, I guess maybe you guys had a bit of a head start there, right? I mean, Acast came about in what 2014, and and you've been along for quite a long part of the journey. It's interesting you touch on the changes in in culture in Australia um, over the course of the pandemic. You guys are sort of native in that whole space. You know, to what extent were you doing work from home before the pandemic and that sort of thing? Was that was that always part of the Acast model? Yeah. Again, to some extent. So we have a very uh, um, sort of freedom under responsibility ethos going on at ACOS. So you don't necessarily have to be at work. I have to say, though, um, that I am a fan of being in the office because I think seeing people hanging out, having 
chats in the kitchen or over lunch in the office is very productive. It's good for everyone. Um, I mean, I think pe- humans are, are inherently social and, and amazing ideas happen when you hang out. Like it's, it's that simple. Um, but yes, to some extent, when COVID hit, we, um, as a business, we went fully mobile globally within a couple of weeks and not much changed, to be honest, like you said, not much changed in terms of our productivity, the output or the pace as in towards how the business has grown, like nothing changed really. I think more on, on maybe an individual level, I think for our sales team, for instance, conducting meetings, virtual meetings became quite hard and quite tedious over time. And I think everyone would agree with that. Um, but other than that, you know, we, dare I say, had a blast. Like it was great because you have to constantly innovate when you're sitting there staring at a screen. So we did after work drinks and we had music quizzes and we had dress up parties and stuff rather than having, you know, maybe a, a lunch or a, a, a Friday afternoon after work. Like, yeah, it just changed. And I think that was quite refreshing. I'm not saying by any means that COVID was a good thing, but I think it was definitely dynamic. It added stuff. And I think coming out of it now too, um, fingers crossed, knock on wood, we, um, we're just better. We're more efficient. Like it's quite refreshing to be honest. For sure. And just going back to, as I was mentioning there, the start of Acast, I mean, for listeners that might not be intently familiar with the company, how did it get started? What sorts of gaps was it filling in the market at the time? Yeah. So back in 20, uh, the idea, I think the inception was probably 2013 and the company was formed in 2014 in, in Sweden. And really looking at solving um, a, a broken podcast advertising ecosystem. So if you remember back a few years ago and you listened to a podcast, that podcast, the ad in that podcast was 99% of the time was probably all, all, always uh, baked in, meaning that the host would do a read and that read would stay in that podcast forever. Now, our two founders, Colin Mons, or sorry, three, and Johan as well, should I say, who's our CTO, um, looked at this and go, there must be a better way of doing this. There must be a way of standardizing the way that uh, creators uh, make money off their uh, craft and, and, and reach more listeners around the globe. So that's how they built something called dynamic ad insertion, which allows, and that's probably the inception of our business. We've evolved a lot since. There's a, there's a lot more, many, many more strings to our bow now than just that. But that's really the inception. So what that allows um, an advertiser to do or a creator to do is to upload a podcast episode just like yours. And then obviously dynamically insert relevant ads depending on the context of the podcast, time of day, location of the podcast. And then obviously when that um, is no longer relevant, the ad no longer appears in the podcast. And that doesn't sound like it's truly groundbreaking anymore, but back then it really was. Um, And I think you know, our mission hasn't changed since 2014, which is empowering creators to make money off their trade. That's what we want them to do. And also to do that independently. I think everyone who has a podcast should be able to do as they wish with it and also do well from it. Yeah, definitely. And just looking, I guess, maybe at the last two or three years when we've really seen like a massive boom in in listeners um, and, I, and we were chatting before we got started about, you know, the pandemic driven boom in listeners. How's that changed the way that you guys do things? How's that changed your day-to-day, you know, this huge influx and presumably an influx in advertisers too, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, the business 
it's an eight cost IPO back in June last year um, because we were scaling so incredibly fast and launching new markets and building new cool stuff for creators and advertisers. And I think, yes, the, the, the pandemic has most certainly sped up the process of, you know, audiences coming into podcasting, people discovering new uh, podcasts and new audio all the time. So that's definitely helped. The interesting bit, though, which we look at a lot or I obsess about is the fact that they it doesn't stop. It hasn't stopped. It's not sort of um, cooling off in a sense. The growth, maybe not as much, uh, but 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 people who start listening don't really stop listening. Once you get into it, you keep doing it. And in terms of how it's changed things for us, I mean, we've our team has grown exponentially. There's not 28. 27 of us, sorry, at ACOS Australia, New Zealand, um, back to only, what, 20 the year before, and then only the year before that, there was only six of us. Um, and obviously, being a global business, we're quite good in globalizing and centralizing certain aspects of the business. But ad sales are obviously done locally. Our content team are all based in Australia. So when we speak to Australian creators, it's all done with people in Australia who knows podcasting. And same thing in New Zealand, obviously, as well. So we have boots on the ground there, too. So to answer the question, what we're doing differently, we just do things a lot more, I think. Um, and it's just done at, at a much higher volume. The budgets are much bigger. The audience numbers are a lot bigger. We're speaking to, I think, more prominent brands now than what we ever have. We're talking to blue chip brands, um, the top 100 brands day in and day out, which I didn't think we were going to do um, in such a short space of time. So it is very cool to see, to be honest. Yeah, and and to what extent has I guess the influx of as you mentioned there those blue chip advertisers? To, to what extent do you think that has to do with you know the real granular measurement you can get out of audiences in, in podcasting that maybe you might not see in radio, TV, and other places? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at podcasting specifically, which is what we do, um, I mean, I think that the journey that podcasting is on on now is very much uh, same as the one that BVOD and streaming video did when it boomed and, and you know, uh, high-speed internet became a thing and everyone had access to a device, be that on a TV or on a, or, or sorry, a, a streaming service on a TV or on a, on a, on a iPad or on a laptop. And, and podcasting is following very much that same trend. And I think, yes, the, the reason behind growth is most certainly because, A, the ease of it, like you can now buy podcast advertising at scale, which opposed to only a few years ago buying, you know, placing your advert um, in a show required multiple phone calls. Um, the unit of economics, as in how you pay the podcast, was all done differently. And as you said, the reporting and the measurement too was all done very differently. So I think just standardizing that has certainly helped. Like industry bodies like the IAB have, have helped lifting the game a lot. And then also, I think just the, the change in consumer behavior, like it goes without saying, like where the consumer goes, or the listener goes, advertising dollars will follow. And I think as a company, what we've done really well is adapting that into measurable ways and ease of trade with agencies and brands. And that's why they, 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 they deal with us. Yeah, and and we've also seen the last couple of years the big radio networks, also companies like Spotify, really start to sit up and go, okay, this podcasting thing, we've got to start taking it seriously. Has has that impacted you that much, or or, or not really? Um, I mean, you'd be foolish to say to say no. Um, is it something that we obsess and think about a lot? No, I wouldn't say so. Um, but yes, I mean, look, there's only there's only so many podcast listeners out there and there's only 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 so many um 
people living in Australia that have access or want to listen to a podcast as well. So yes, from that perspective, certainly. And there's only so many ad dollars, like I said. But I think in terms of the, the competition, we don't really look too much. We're obviously very obvious, cognizant of what they're doing and how they're conducting. And, 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 and you know, we, well, we'd like to think so, at least, I think. But no, I don't think it's affected us. I mean, we, we, we got such a solid head start on this from 2017. And being a podcast-only business focusing on the creator, I think, has so many USPs. So when when um, brands are planning uh, media activity, ACOST is most likely top of the list um, because of of the you know the the history and the reputation that we've built and quality of work. There's so many aspects to it, to be honest. But the quality of work that we put out, I think, is next to none. Yeah, and and I also recall last time we spoke. Um, a bit about continuing sort of the the programmatic advertising rise versus, versus host red and other forms of podcast advertising. And you did speak about, you know, the limitations of host red advertising just before. Um, is that something that we think you think will go away or, or you know, pe- people do quite often say that those host red ads are the ones that still cut through quite a lot better? Yeah, I would actually say that they are. And I think it's going to remain that way. I think you know, if you look at the, the some of the best ex- executions in podcasting now, they are done um, through a native read or a host read, like you said before. And I, I think the best, some of the best work that we've done, and most likely the most successful work too, has been done when we do really good work with the creator. We connect the creator or the podcaster in this case with um, the advertiser, making sure that the outcome is what they want it to be. And then there's the, creati- uh, the, the creativity piece too. It's like there are some absolutely amazing host reads out there being made day in and day out, which again, I think, you know, if you look at the receptiveness or the eff- efficacy of podcasting as well, it's that's where it's at. But to answer your question around automation and programmatic, yes, um, you know, and it that is probably also mainly driven by demand from the brands wanting to advertise in podcasting. Um, our job is to make it seamless for them uh, for the agencies and the trading desks wanting to buy ads in podcasting and also making sure that it's not too disruptive to the listener or in any ways cannibalizes on the quality of the work that the creator has put together. So yeah, there's definitely a large rise in, in, in programmatic money in podcasting and we're not the only ones seeing it. Definitely not. Yeah, for sure. And and just on the innovation front, I mean, what else is new at Acast at the moment? I, I did see that you guys recently acquired Podchaser um, and then announced integration with Meta. That's all happened in the last couple of months. Um, how, how did those two things come about and, and what else is going on at the moment? Um, I mean, Podchaser is um, is basically the IMDB of, of podcasting. There's 4 million podcast titles on that show and, and discovery in podcasting is still also broken. I don't think anyone's fixed it just yet. So it's a step, I think, in the right direction to help to connect creators with more advertisers and make it more relevant, I suppose, as well, and not too disruptive. So that's probably the motives behind uh, Podchaser. Um, what I'm really excited about, though, is something called conversational targeting, which we've launched only a couple of weeks ago, which now allows us to index um, the conversation in a podcast and then match that up with a, a brand message. So, for instance, if you're talking about a holiday or a trip, we can then connect an advertiser based on the metadata in the podcast uh, and make sure that a relevant ad is served. And this is something that I am so excited about. We have seen like the response from the market has been phenomenal, like phenomenal. 
Yeah. So, so exactly how does that work? So if a, if a podcast is, is chatting about, you know, a, a particular, you know, brand or, or, or sport or something, it, it'll, the, the, it'll index at that time and be able to insert something that's relevant. Correct. So it's done through a partnership. Uh, well, the technology is built by ACOS, but the, 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 the metadata that we, that, that's being sort of, um, analyzed is done with IBM Watson actually. So the technology is built by us, but the data sort of capacity, I suppose, is with IBM. And exactly like you said, so if you are, if you're listening to a podcast about cooking or, um, you know, anything in relation to cooking, for instance, we can then match that up with an FMCG brand at Woolies in Australia. And we can also overlay other things like location-based information. So if it's an offer only for people living in Sydney or in Victoria. Which, it, again, it just makes the experience a lot more relevant to, well, first and foremost, the listener, and it's not too disruptive, but they can also get served an ad, which is relevant based on what's actually been uh, discussed in the podcast, which is, I don't think that's being done anywhere else, but don't quote me on that one, but I don't think anyone else is doing that right now. Yeah, that's really exciting. And and I did just want to touch on something else you said just before, which is that discovery for podcasting is broken. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I think... Um, Looking at the, 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 dare I say, the platform war going on today, like with, you know, your Spotify's and your podcast listening apps, they all have different agendas out there, which is obviously listen to either shows that are owned and hosted by that company, um, most definitely pushed by that company, that's for sure. And I think there is no one place you can go and find a new show. Again, if you like listening to a podcast about cooking, where do you find other cooking podcasts? Um, and I think that's something that we've been talking a lot about at ACOS and making sure that it's, um, well, at least that it's um, addressed. And that's probably all I can say, to be honest. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, and yeah, just looking forward to maybe the next couple of years for, for ACOS, what, what should people be expecting? Where else are you guys looking to innovate? Will it just be, you know, expanding on on this, you know, fixing of irrelevant podcast ads or, or is there anything else we can look forward to? Yeah, I think the fixing of Irrelevant Podcast Ad is something that we'll never stop doing. So that's just always there uh, and making sure that it's seamless. Not, it, I think the, the vision and the mission for us is very, very simple. We want to make sure that our creators are getting paid for their, uh, the craft that they put out. And we want to make sure that it's done on their terms as well. So be that either through paywall technology, for instance, which is something that we launched earlier this year, which is called ACOS Plus, allowing you to publish content, audio content behind uh, a paywall, uh, which is also platform agnostic. So for instance, you can pay $1.99 a week to get, um, you know, the bonus content from Xander's podcast straight straight to you. Um, or it could also be the fact that it's an ad-free version of the podcast. There's many, many different ways you can, can, can do it. So that's something that I'm really, really excited for. And, I know there's been discussions in Australian media or certain radio, actually. Um, there's been some statements made that Australia isn't big enough for paywalls in podcasting or subscribe subscriptions in podcasting. And I think that could not be further from the truth because we are seeing very different signs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if, if everywhere else has, you know, subscription based technology, you know, you, you see it in streaming services who are increasingly bringing in ads, even for streaming services you play for. So sorry, that right. you pay for. So it, it wouldn't be any different, I assume. No, but you know, I think to answer your question, I think it's about 
just making sure that we're building the best possible tools for independent creators. That's really what it's all about. Now, what that looks like, I, I can't really tell you. Um, and yeah, no, I can't really tell you that. But but yeah, expect a lot more things at least. Yeah, fantastic. And and just to to finish with a, a question that this podcast will always finish up with, uh, what's your silver bullet for business success? It doesn't have to be a practice that's even related to business, as we chatted before, could be a mindset or a philosophy, going for a run before work in the morning. Um, what is it that has allowed you to, to succeed, you know, over those who believe that if you just work hard every day, you'll be successful? <laughs> Uh, I think kindness, showing of kindness and also being making sure or, or, or yeah, kindness is definitely one thing. There's no need to be just because you're big, you don't have to be mean. Um, and I think also like from a, from my position as the MD of this company, like having a good relationship with your employees is definitely the success of this business. Uh, this business is built on, on phenomenal, very smart people who, who want to work at ACOS. So Having a good relationship with your team members, definitely. And then obviously kindness, like it just goes a long way. The other stuff that you mentioned about running and exercising definitely helps uh, on all levels in life. So I highly recommend that too. But kindness, show kindness and, 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 and understanding. Um, that's probably my silver bullet. That's a really refreshing take, Henrik. Thanks again for chatting with me today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Sandra.